Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we preview Ohio State's home game against Indiana, and we talk about whether or not we are spoiled as a fan base and how this affects how we watch the games. And that starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. The hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? I'm proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans. Where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from beautiful North Central Ohio, where I am joined by both Chris Wilds and Aaron Brown. Chris, I'm going to let you go first because I am absolutely fascinated with the video I saw earlier of you posting uh, from the Ohio State Store and lots more. Tell everybody what you've got going on. I think this is fantastic. So we started last week doing an item of the week auction. Aaron, sorry, last week uh, your Christmas gift went away. What? Uh, last last week what we auctioned off was a framed autographed Ryan Shazier jersey. Oh. It was it was beautiful. It was the Steelers jersey, Aaron. I know that was right oh. back buddy. Uh, and this week we are doing this great uh, – Great hanging lamp, perfect for over a uh, bar or or over a pool table type thing. And we are just basically choosing one item every week, and we're going to run it as an item of a week. We're doing it as an auction-style uh, sale. So, I mean, you can get these things really, really inexpensive. Aaron, you'd really cry if I told you what the jersey went for. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great thing we've got going. Uh, just just to let you know, the the Ryan Shazier jersey last week went for about a hundred dollars under what we're re- we were retailing it in the store. Dude. So yeah, lot, lots of opportunity to get in and uh, get some really cool items at uh, you know better than retail prices. Yes, you guys need to get into that store. He's got cool stuff in there. Something there for you. everybody. Dead serious. Yeah. 
and then and so how and you might be saying how am i going to get the money to do this well let me tell you how you're going to get the money to do this nfl sundays are only getting better and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl right now new customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL, nfl team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL come January 1st. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code OHIOPODCAST and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code OHIOPODCAST. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. She see show notes for details. All right, guys. I don't know if you've seen the spread. Speaking of DraftKings, on this week's game with Indiana, especially coming off what we witnessed last week uh, when Ohio State traveled to Evanston, Illinois, and pretty much laid a stinker and still won by 14 in hurricane-like conditions. In uh, Illinois in the Windy City, but uh, the bookies say, hey, we're going to make this thing about a 40-point spread, and I'm feeling like we should probably consider taking the over in this thing based off the fact that Indiana is just, can we call them, god-awful. Let's look at the numbers for this first. Ohio State versus Indiana. Ohio State leads this all-time series against the Hoosiers. 77 to 12 with five ties. Ohio State has won the last 26 games in a row, which is an all-time Big Ten record. Aaron, Chris, there have been two other series uh, that have gone 24 straight in a row. One from Michigan against the team, one from Ohio State against the team, Chris, I'll let you go first. Can you name either one of those? Ooh, I'm going to say, let me try going with one that team up north. Okay. Northwestern? No, but you got a right team. You just got them backwards. It's... Aaron, do you want to take a stab now that you know what it is? I, I knew Ohio State had Northwestern pretty long. But. Yeah. Yeah, so, we, I mean, that's one of them. So I'll just take a stab at that team up north. And, again, is I, Illinois? No. It's Indiana. Really? Yeah. Oh, so, wow. So the team up north had a 24-game winning streak against Indiana, and Indiana in 2020 beat them. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. Sure do. And then Ohio State had the same thing against Northwestern going, and I think it was in 2004. Four. Four. Okay. Yeah. Northwestern stopped that one. But right now, Ohio State's got a 26-game streak going up against the Hoosiers, and I think that's going to be 27. They last lost to Indiana in 1988. Anybody want to take a stab on who the coach was for Indiana in 1988? 
Lee Corso. You nailed it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Sunshine. Lee I'm Corso. Pretty, I'm pretty yeah, sure I was. I was purchased since then. I'm dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I was that game on October 29th. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think I'm Rain Man? <laughs> you might be. I'm because I was born during that game. What? Yeah. Okay. I gotta look this. I'll look this up. Well. Chris has given us stats. Okay. The last meeting in 2021, Ohio State won 54 to seven. That 1988 game, by the way, that Ohio State lost, that was 41 to seven. We got shellacked that game. Uh, let's see here. La- largest margin of victory. It was in 1957. We won 56 to nothing. That one might be on the risk of getting broken this weekend. Again, the largest margin of defeat was an 88-41-7. Ohio State's longest win streak over Indiana is its current win streak of 26, which started in 1991. Indiana's longest win streak over Ohio State is four, which was from 1903 to 1913 when they were playing something that resembled more of rugby than football. Ryan Day's record against the Hoosiers is 3-0, and while Tom, while Tom Allen's record against the Buckeyes is 0-5. Chris, break down the statistics for these two teams for us, shall you? Do I have to? Because it's really not real pretty, Eric. It's not pretty, but go ahead and just, Let's just do embrace it. embrace the suck here. Okay. So offensively, Indiana comes in ranked 113th in the country overall. They are only averaging 329 yards per game. 250 of that is passing with 78.7 on the ground rushing. So Connor Bazelak leads the Hoosiers' passing attack. Bazelak is 208 of 379 for 2,099 yards and has 12 touchdowns to go with his nine interceptions. Senior Sean Sean Shivers is the team's leading rusher with 106 carries for 399 yards and four touchdowns. However, last week, Shivers only managed to get three carries for negative six yards versus Penn State. Senior Josh Henderson is the other featured back. Henderson had 63 carries, 286 yards, and three touchdowns coming in on the season, and he did take a majority of the reps against Penn State. Catching the ball, Cam Camper is the statistical leader with 46 catches, 569 yards, two touchdowns. Senior Emory Simmons can also be a bit of a threat on the outside. Not really, but 32 catches, 335 yards, and a touchdown on the season. And, of course, don't overlook running back Josh Henderson, who I just mentioned a moment ago. He's also a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. He has 18 catches and is third on the team in receiving yards with 232 yards, and he leads the team with three receiving touchdowns. Now, defensively, this may even be worse. They are ranked 104th in the nation overall on defense. They are giving up 422 yards a game. They're averaging giving up 5.41 yards per play, and they've given up 37 touchdowns on the season. They have 17 sacks, six interceptions, and 10 forced fumbles as a defense. Linebacker Aaron Casey, he's the leader of that defense. He's got 69 tackles coming in, one and a half sacks, and the team leading two forced fumbles. Defensive back Taiwan Mon, no big surprise here. We predicted him as among the best in the conference at the beginning of the season. He's got the, the team lead in interceptions with two to go with his 42 tackles and a forced fumble. And then freshman linebacker Desan McCullough, he's the team leader in sacks. He's got four with 37 tackles and three passes defense. 
even though the numbers don't sound that bad, it hasn't translated well onto the field as far as the talent level. And this is a Buckeye offense that I think is going to be out there looking to make a statement after last week. So let's jump into the Buckeye offense a little bit. They come in ranked 14th overall in the country. A bit lower than what we're used to seeing after that debacle last week in, in Chicago. But they are still the number one scoring offense in the country at 45.8 points per game. Per game. Uh, they come in averaging 484.1 yards per game. That's 290.9 passing and 193.2 on the ground. Of course, the offense is left, led by the Heisman frontrunner, C.J. Stroud. Stroud's completed 169 to 249 passes, 2,453 yards, 29 touchdowns against only four interceptions. The team's rushing leader is Mayan Williams. He comes in with 102 carries, 636 yards, and 12 rushing touchdowns on the season. Now, right behind Williams is Travion Henderson, who comes into the weekend, 96 carries, 552 yards, and six touchdowns. Of course, the big question is, is this the weekend we see both guys healthy at the same time? At receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. leads the way with 53 catches, 834 yards, and 10 receiving touchdowns on the season. Ameka Egbuka comes in. He's got 49 catches for 794 and seven scores on the year. Defensively, Ohio State is ranked sixth overall still. 271.8 yards per game is what they're giving up, an average of 4.41 yards per play. And while as a team we've given up 17 touchdowns, only 15 of those have been surrendered by the defense and even fewer by the first-team defense. The team comes into Saturday with 22 sacks, 10 interceptions, and nine forced fumbles on the season. Tommy Eichenberg, of course, the leader of this defense. He's got 85 tackles, two and a half sacks, and an interception, which he returned for a touchdown. Michael Hall Jr., the, the, the guy who does more with less time than anybody in, this, uh, in college football, I think. He's got four and a half sacks to lead the team, while Tanner McAllister is the team leader with interceptions with three. And Zach Harrison is a pair of forced fumbles to lead the team. So statistically, that is the breakdown. But Aaron, why don't you tell us how it's going to translate on the field? Yeah. So uh, as you prefaced so beautifully, uh, those statistics don't really translate. (laughs) Anybody that's watched an Indiana game could easily tell you that uh, this team is rough. Okay, and I don't mean that in like an aggressive way. So I'm going to talk about Indiana's defense a little bit first because there's a little bit more to go off of, I think. So Indiana's defense is they run a multiple, um, but most of the time you're going to see two to three uh, defensive linemen in a three point stance. All right. Now, they do a lot of blitzing, and when they do it, it's not just shooting gaps. It's a lot of rap stunting. So what I mean by that is is you'll have like, I don't know, like a five technique defensive end, right, or six. It just depends on where the, where the offense is on the field. Um, so that is essentially like the defensive end is either heads up with the tackle or he's on his outside shoulder. So what you'll see is a linebacker right on the outside of the defensive end, and he will cut to the inside as the defensive end goes outside to draw the tackle 
outward. So it creates a little gap for that linebacker to shoot through. Um, they do a lot of that. And it's not just the outside. They'll go to the inside, too. Um, they do a lot of different different rap stunning looks like that. Their coverage, they do a lot of man and cover two, um, and they're bad at it. <laughs> they're terrible. Like, my goodness. I watched the Rutgers, that team up north, and Penn State games uh, for this for this show and because that's the three most recent games, and I honestly I just wanted to see that team up north because uh, kind of like how Ohio State works on it daily, I work on it weekly. So with that said, their coverage is just god awful. Um, the zone, they do a lot of zone blitzes too. Um, they will do that. Uh, so that's a way to throw CJ Stroud off because if you don't know, like they'll make it look like they're blitzing and then they'll drop into coverage. So that's just one little thing that CJ Stroud has already seen before this season that he just has to watch for. It's just a matter of reading the defense, which uh, he's proven over the last two seasons that he can do pretty well. So. Um, as for what Ohio State should do on offense, this is a great uh, week, really, to get back to the fundamentals of running the ball. Uh, Michigan did whatever they wanted to do running the ball. They just kind of powered it down Indiana's throat. Penn State did a similar thing. Um, even Rutgers, uh, they did well running to the outside. Uh, so, I mean, if Rutgers is doing that, and that should tell you something. So, um I checked the weather report because apparently that matters to our offense, and it's supposed to be a little rainy, uh, sleety, apparently, on Saturday in Columbus. Uh, looked like it was going to be in the high 40s, mid-40s. So this is a great, like I said, it's a great week to get back to the fundamentals of running the ball. Uh, I could see a lot of power running. Um, you know they're going to run a lot of zone options, or zone options, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of zone reads, so you're going to see you know, like what we're used to seeing that really hasn't worked this season. Um, so this is a good good game for the offensive line to get their stuff together, if you will, and uh, get this thing working. I don't think that Ryan Day is going to have to really dig too deep into the playbook to win this ball game, uh, especially with the passing. I just I really don't think they're going to have to if they want to run comeback routes, streaks, uh, whatever they want to do, shallow mesh, any any of that should work just fine. Because like I said, Indiana's coverage period, linebackers and DBs together is just garbage. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, going into Indiana's offense, though, they run a lot of 10 and 11 personnel. I didn't really see too much 12 personnel, but definitely run a lot of 10 and 11. Uh, they will run a tight package. Uh, so basically, they'll just pull the wide receivers in a twin set. They'll just pull them tight to the line of scrimmage. That's how they like to run tight package. Some teams will run with tight ends. Indiana does it with wide receivers. Uh, when you see that, look for a shallow underneath route. Uh, somehow they they fooled Penn State several times into this coverage uh, where they ran three of them off. And then you just have the inside receiver run a very shallow underneath route. And it was there and they pick up 15, 20 yards uh, each time almost. Uh, another thing Indiana does really well is read option. Now, their, their quarterback is not like lightning fast or anything by any stretch, but they execute this play really well. He's just good at making the read, so he's a good decision maker on that play. Uh, they run a lot of inside-outside zone. Doesn't usually work too well. Uh, they look like our, us running inside-outside zone, but a little bit worse if you can picture that. <laughs> 
they will have a, a single wing uh, with wide receiver motion. Look for a play action out of that. Uh, they do run a lot of comeback routes. They will run some dive plays, so that's kind of how they do their power in addition to read option. Uh, and a lot of twins line up. So they'll, they're uh, twins with wide receivers. They run a lot of that, and you'll see different routes. Um, I'm not going to sit here and list off every route that they run out of twins because, honestly, it's kind of endless. So you can do a lot of things out of twins, and Indiana tries to do that. Um, Ohio State's defense, what I feel like they should try to do, uh, this is a great week for like zone coverage, cover two, cover three in the red zone, hit the cover one, uh, even cover zero. And if you don't know what cover zero is or if you haven't heard of it, that's essentially just man with blitzing. So uh, basically what we need to do on a fundamental level on defense blitz. I know a lot of teams had great success coming through the center. Um, so just we already do a lot of stunting. Um, similar to how I mentioned Indiana's rap stunting, we do similar things. Like if you noticed, our defensive end is usually uh, he's not three point stance, he's two point stance, and he can drop into coverage or he blitzes. And nine times out of ten, from what I've seen, he's going after the quarterback. So make it creative, and he'll probably get there a few times. This is also another great week for for potential turnovers because. Their quarterback's not a, a prolific passer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so basically, we just need to keep containment on him for the read option. Be disciplined. Cover your man. And that's that's essentially what we need to do on defense to uh, stop them from scoring. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for the info. Over. You know that, Eric? <laughs> I got all that. I got all that. All of that to say this. They do a lot, and they do none of it good. That's a fact. Yep. <laughs> that is a fact. Hey, look, guys, my role is to break down things a little bit deeper than the average guy, okay? I could easily come on here and be like, you know what? They suck. <laughs> We're just going to do done. what we want. <laughs> what would Eric and I do? That's what I'm saying. What fun is that? People want to know football. I'm here to teach them. All right, Aaron. That game was played on October 8th. Uh, excuse me. No. October 8th, 1988. October 8th. Well, who the heck did we play on the 29th? I don't know. Why you? Gosh. You know what? October... I'll look it up. Yeah, you looked that up uh, <laughs> during the break. Let's. You're not let's... fun. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that I looked up the date that they played Indiana in 1988 and lost, and it didn't happen to be your birthday. I'm sorry. But this Blame. is a... This is a true statement. Girls, this is girls, a true statement. Okay. Indiana has not beaten us since you've been alive. Big hairy facts there, my man. So there you go. Uh, prediction time. Let's give our scores. Um, who wants to go first? I will. Go for it. So let me tell you, I like Aaron. The first thing I checked was the weather report for this game. <laughs> About a half hour before we started recording, it was predicted 31 to 40 degrees. With a snow-rain mix. So opportunity to start getting the run game right. Indiana is ranked 82nd in the nation against the run. Uh, so I'll tell you, I think that this game, we're going to get it right. We're going to control the ball a lot more. I don't know how much passing we're going to see, even as bad as they are. So I think it might keep the score down just a little bit. So I'm only predicting 49-3. to 49-3. Aaron, feel free to chime in now. I'm going to say 56 to 10. 
And by the way, we played Sparty on my birthday when I was born. Oh, okay. And we lost twenty to ten. Apparently, bad, bad John, year, man. That year was rough, but it was John Cooper's first year, and I don't think that he had his lucky Buckeye in his pocket that season. No, is that what happened? Okay. That had to have been. All right, Chris says forty nine three. Aaron says fifty six ten. I'm gonna be the eternal opt, uh, optimist this week. I I now I'll share after the break why I'm doing this. I'm really down on myself right now for being so down on Ohio State Sunday night. I'm going Indiana three. Now I'll be I'll give them two field goals. Let's say six or a touchdown and missed extra point. You're going oh. 70, aren't you, Eric? Ohio State 63, almost, almost. I'm going 63. I think we're just we just. I'll, I'll explain why after the break. I'm going with that high of a score. I'll give them six because you went with three already, Chris. 63 to three. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to share why, and we're going to have, I guess, a a moment where Chris and Aaron can can have a therapy session with me and we'll see if this maybe helps out some of you listeners hang tight the ohio podcast is brought to you by mastermind mastermind specializes in 360 degree high definition mobile video mapping gis integration and traffic safety studies mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway visit mastermind at onlinemastermind.com all right, welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. As you are well aware, those who listen to our show, I was very, very down on this football team Sunday night. I was not the only one. Chris, uh, Aaron, I know you both were joining me in and pointing out some of the the terrible play that Ohio State had and and some of the the bad coaching decisions that we have pointed out as well. And uh, for the most part, if you listen to any other of the Buckeye related podcasts. We weren't alone. There was a lot of negativity coming from those who cover the team, those who follow the team. On social media, you get one of two people. You get the people who feel like the world is coming to an end, that it's Buckeye apocalypse, and we're Ryan Day's never going to win a football game again, and we have no shot. And you get the people who are so positive that it doesn't matter that if we won by one point over a winless team. It was the greatest win of all time because we're Ohio State. Obviously, the truth is somewhere in the middle there, folks. That's the honest truth. But that being said, let's have a little bit of a discussion here. As Ohio State fans, have we become spoiled to expect greatness each and every single week, to expect expect blowouts each and every single week, and in doing so, we no longer can celebrate regular, common, Big Ten, 14-point victories. Aaron, talk me off the ledge. Am, am, I, am I to the point where I feel like as a, I have been sucked in to the same thing that a lot of fans have and expect perfection each and every single week? And that's just not reality. Help me out. Yeah, I I do think that our fan base is spoiled quite a bit over the success we've had in the last, what, 21 years since Trestle really took over. Um, 
because it's been a gradual process, you know, like Trestle would have great years. We'd have one, two loss seasons, maybe three, occasionally five, you know, like when we went and played Oklahoma State in the Alamo Bowl and, you know, we beat the brakes off of them. Um, but then Urban Meyer took over and it really took a giant step up the expectation level. And that's because Urban Meyer is a perfectionist. And so usually when you're in a state like Ohio, where Ohio State is the kingpin, it's not the Bengals, it's not the Browns, it's not Cincinnati, it's not Toledo or Akron or Miami, Ohio, it's Ohio State. Ohio State is the king of sports in that in Ohio, period, point blank. Um, So when you have such a strong fan base and a strong following and a head coach like Urban Meyer, people tend to adopt that characteristic, uh, that trait, if you will, because it is infectious, uh, especially when you are a fanatic, a fan. Um, so I think that that expectation has been carried over with Ryan Day. So when you are used to blowing teams out, 63 to 10 or 63 to 7 or, you know, 49 to 17, you know, just these exorbitant freaking scores. Anytime that you play a team like Northwestern and there's 80 mile an hour wins, you if you're not on the practice field, you're just a fan. You're Monday morning quarterbacking and you're just like, man, I don't know what the heck's going on. You're not taken into account as a fan that they're freezing to death. The wind, you can't really throw the ball. Uh, I guarantee you that Monday morning quarterback can't go in his front yard right now and throw an accurate 10-yard pass, but he's going to sit there and talk crap about C.J. Stroud in 80-mile-an-hour winds. That's ridiculous. So, yes, we have become spoiled. We have become uh, accustomed to winning in big uh, big differentials, and it's it's quite unfair to the players, to the program. These are college students. Yes, they're getting paid now. The expectation rate uh, rises with some people. Uh, I know there are some people on our fan page that talk a lot of smack. Well, they're making as much money as the pros do. Why aren't they playing at that level? Well, because they're college students. Some of them are two years out of high school. And and, and these people are forgetting this. It, it's just – it's crazy. I, you know what I mean? It really is crazy. People going nuts on Facebook, making a post every time they run a play – you should have thrown it to this guy. Well, that's easy to say on Facebook. Put a helmet on, man. <clears throat> to to respond to that, Chris, get ready with your your take. I will say it, this year it appears there's all now there are still some of those people, yes, but it does appear to me this year that there are fewer of those people on Facebook. Now maybe it's because I just. I refuse to deal with social media during the game. I just put it down. I, I don't even look because I don't even want to to experience it. But it does feel like there are less people bickering um, and uh, about the game during the game to me this year than there was in past in the past couple seasons. But yes, they're still there. Um, well, it's mainly but, in those groups. You know, what it I mean, is. it's 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 not like you're just your random cousin doing this it's it's in these the fan groups if you yeah. will and and i'm like you eric i've decided that i am just off of social media and enjoying the game while it's on 
I'm done with the with the back and forth and the watching people bicker. And I think we've done a good job of weeding out those people uh, on our page because yeah. it just got tiresome. It really did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say our page, it, our page is definitely more uh, healthy, uh, healthier and positive during a game than uh, most other ones. I, I agree. And you're right. We have kicked. We we went through a span there last year. I think I feel like we kicked two or three people off every week. Yeah. Um, so it took it took a while to get them. But if you really want to listen to what they have to say, they're out there. Um, Chris, go ahead, man. <laughs> Your take on are we spoiled as as fans and expecting blowouts every week? Yeah, I believe we're spoiled as fans, and and sometimes our expectations at times are unrealistic. I mean, look, right, like you mentioned, how many times? Last week, did Aaron kind of step in and, 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 you know, redefine the weather situation to us, kind of talk us off that ledge, like you said a little bit, about how difficult it was to play in those conditions. I mean, like you said, we expect these guys to go out and they need to put up 50 every game. They need to demolish an opponent. And if they don't, it is a disappointing win. Now, I'm not saying we can't be critical as fans and as objective observers, which I think we try to be when we are talking about the games on this format for the most part. But I know at times I find myself incapable of just enjoying a hard-fought victory like what happened last week. Uh, And I think the majority of the fans feel the same way. Uh, You know, we all remember the championships. We all remember the blowouts. We all remember, you know, this, that, the other. But we tend to forget. The hard-fought victories, you know. Yeah. We we tend to forget the occasional loss, you know. You talked about it last week. Nothing came easy in 2002. Mm-hmm. You know, we struggled and even lost a game at times, or struggled times and even lost a game in 2014. But as fans, we have come to expect this team with this talent and this coaching staff to be perfect on every play, I don't care if it's a monsoon or, you know, a beautiful day. It doesn't matter. If they aren't perfect, it's just not good enough. So we're absolutely spoiled. That being said, should we temper our expectations? No. I don't think so. You know what? You put on the big boy pants to come to Ohio State, you know what's expected. Is it going to happen every time? No. Are you going to get criticized? Absolutely. But you know what? We're still going to appreciate the wins. We may not always we may not always enjoy it when it's close like this. We may not always, you know, as fans, I think we do a pretty good job of it here, but there are those out there, like you said, who may not always verbalize that appreciation during the game. But you know what? Ultimately, I do think that we as fans, as a fan base in general, do appreciate the effort these guys put forth. But do I have any intention of just sitting back and enjoying a close win? No, absolutely not. I want every game 59 to zero, like that game against Wisconsin. You know, that's what I want. I don't want anything less. But you know what? The fact is, it, it's just not going to happen sometimes. And we've just got to learn to deal with that without jumping off the ledge. So here's why I brought this up. My all-time favorite memory as a Buckeye fan – well, I, I have several, but my, I guess my all-time favorite play 
I was, I'll, I'll, I'll label it that, was celebrated yesterday for its birthday, Holy Buckeye. Yes. In today's climate with this team and the expectations that are being placed on Ryan Day in this offense, I don't think we would celebrate Holy Buckeye like we did then. We would look at it like they got lucky they won that one. Man, they almost blew that. This team's nowhere near as good as we thought they were. They're they're blowing it. That's how we would react it. Where I remember being so jubilant in 2002 when that happened, Aaron. Like to this yeah. day, it is my my. I got to watch that game with my my good friend Doug Gerald, who's who passed away a, a, well over a decade ago, and. I cherish that moment and that memory, man. And it's more than just the, that play or the game. But I look at what's going on today, and I would be, I say, man, I wouldn't celebrate that today like I did then. And that, and so I'm kind of down on myself as a fan because of that. I, I, dude, you know, I've thought about this a lot since you sent out the show notes, and to me, that team was a blue collar team. We did not have national championship expectations. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> we had no idea where that season was going to take us. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't we sick? Like we were like what seven and four or something like that in the regular season the year before? I think seven and five overall yeah, or something. Seven crazy. and five seven with and five. a loss to South Carolina in the Outback Bowl. Yeah, and that was the second season in a row, a row that they had beaten us. We were two years removed from Steve Belisari getting arrested on a DUI the night before the game. So and John Cooper being fired, you know what I mean? So we didn't have the same expectations at all. We knew we would play well. We knew we'd have a good season, but we didn't have any expectations that we could play with Miami, Florida. Or at the time, Nebraska was on top of their game or Oklahoma was very dominant. We didn't have those expectations like we do now. Um, we were very blue collar, and it feels as though we are now what I think of as a white collar team. We're very business. You know, if things don't go perfectly, it's a problem. And I think the fan base needs to remember where we come from. And I recognize that, you know, there are people that were born after the struggle. The 90s, as I call them. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to learn this lesson and the players know this lesson, but adversity will teach you way more than success ever will. And they don't understand that concept yet. And it's it. I understand that it's hard when you're not out there on the field. You're not one of the you're not part technically of that brotherhood fighting every day at practice, struggling every day at practice, working out, dealing with the injuries together. You know, it, they're not dealing with that adversity. They just see what happens on Saturday and they judge the team as a whole based on what they see. And they don't take weather into account uh, from what we saw last week. They're not taking a lot of things into account. And I take issue with that as somebody that grew up very frustrated through the 90s and then witnessed this whole change, as you two have as well. So it's it's just a matter of our fan base has forgotten, apparently, how to handle adversity, what that's like as yeah. a fan. I posted the, a picture of C.J. Stroud in black and white earlier this week on our on our page that says football isn't easy and nothing worthwhile ever is. It's Fact. actually it's actually two quotes that I put together and just kind of made it my own quote. You know, football isn't easy. It's not. 
Every week, half the teams in college football lose. Alabama's lost twice this year. It's not easy, guys. Like, there's only four undefeated teams in all of college football right now. Four. In Division One. Ohio State, Georgia, TCU, and that team up north. Four of us. That's it. It's not easy. But nothing worthwhile ever is. And I think we need to embrace that again. Chris, do you have any comments or anything you'd like to add? No, no, I'm I'm with you guys. I, like I said, I just truly believe that we are we have become so accustomed that we are now just as fans, we are a victim of this program's success. <laughs> and, and it's kind of sad. It is kind of sad. But you know what? Like I just said a few minutes ago. I have no intention of changing. Let him keep succeeding. I'm going to keep having high expectations. You know, hopefully I can learn how to remember that the, we can celebrate a close win. But odds are, at least one more time this year, Aaron's going to have to talk to me off a ledge. <laughs> oh, shoot. Aaron, any last comments before we move on? Mm-hmm. Not really, other than, I mean, think about it this way. You know, if you blow out every single team that you play, what do the national critics say? Well, they had an easy schedule. So, yeah. I mean, think about it that way, too. You know, I understand West Co- or uh, psh, Northwestern's like 1-7 and seven at the time we played them. But 80-mile-an-hour wins, guys. You know, yeah, the running performance could have been better. But, like, again, blue collar. Embrace that adversity, like Eric said. That's I think that's just the bottom line here. All right, let's play a game. Let's 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 lighten it up a little bit. I thought that would be a really good conversation to have. I, I just felt like it was it was needed. I needed to have that conversation. I needed to be reminder reminded of Holy Buckeye this week. I needed that after being so down and negative on an undefeated team ranked second in the CFP. I needed to be reminded of that. Hey, let's let's enjoy these things, you know. Uh, you only get you only get 12 of these promised to you every year. And and if it's a COVID year, who knows, right? It could be less than that. All right. We're going to play a game. Create fill-in-the-blank sentences for each other. That's what we're going to do now. So um, who would like to ask their fill-in-the-blank sentences first? I'll go. Go for it. Okay. First one is for Chris. Okay. Ohio State will play blank in the Big Ten title game. What team? I'll tell you, I, I think Birdie gets it right over there. I think they play Illinois. Illinois? Yeah. I mean, it sure, it sure looks that way right now, doesn't it? I know they just lost, but, like, I mean. Although record. Wisconsin's right there. So is the other teams. So are four other ones, Chris. <laughs> That's how bad that division is, man. Terrible. I think Nebraska's even still got an outside shot. I think so, too. I think so too. Who wants to go next? All right, Chris, you can ask me my next mine. I'm sorry, right, uh, Aaron. I'm sorry, Aaron. You can ask me mine. Then Chris, you can go next. Okay. All right, I got you. All right, so Eric, yes. blank team, blank SEC teams will make the CFP. How many? Uh, two. You think two still? 
I think if I think if Georgia goes undefeated, I think Tennessee has the better argument over Oregon. The only question would be if Oregon could win out and they they win the Pac-12. Their loss to Georgia looks worse than Tennessee's loss to Georgia. So I think Tennessee has got the argument and they they were what? 6th this week? Tennessee? Yeah. yeah, I think so. So, but there's Look at look at it here, look at it this way though. USC I think is 8th right now and if Oregon can beat them, they remain undefeated, okay? So USC's still top 10, so is Oregon. If Oregon can beat them, what's that do for their their resume, you know, it it does. Yeah, it does. It does a lot, actually. And here's what's really crazy. What if LSU wins out? Wins, I was just going to mention and that. then beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. Holy right. crap. You won't talk it about it. It's crazy at that point. Yeah. What kind of chaos is going to ensue but, with that one? Yeah. But you know I, what? There's one thing we are guaranteed of. Alabama ain't going to be there. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, let's say, uh, just so you guys know, if you're interested in, in a lot of CFP talk, we don't do a ton of it here until it it becomes relevant. Um, but if you check out our friends over at Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad, they go in depth in this argument in their last episode. Check that out, guys. You'll 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 if you enjoy CFP, you will enjoy that conversation. Go for it, Chris. Your turn. All right, Aaron. Ohio State's Defensive Player of the Year is blank. Oh, oh, that's tough. Are we going off of right now, like what we have seen so far? What we have seen so far this season. Dude, there's no way. It's not JTT. Like, I mean, there's an argument for Eichenberg. Uh, Over Eichenberg? Really? Yeah, dude. Look, he won the Penn State game single-handedly. That wasn't against Northwestern. That was oh, against Penn oh, State. Oh, I heard it, Eric. Didn't you have this very discussion on the show after the Penn State game how he did not win it single-handedly? Mm-hmm. He pretty <laughs> much did, though. <laughs> he, I mean, good Lord, what's what's a man got to do? He scored a touchdown. He did it all. He did. He had every every statistical category covered. There's no doubt about that. Okay, all right. I'll be fair. He didn't win it by himself, okay? <laughs> Realistically, the offense scored a lot of points, okay? I, there, I said it, all right? But essentially, defensively, that guy dominated that side of the ball and made sure Penn State couldn't do crap. And he's had a consistent season, but it's it's difficult. You know, I that's why I said Eichenberg definitely has an argument in this, and it's like 1A and 1B, I, you know what I mean? I feel like it should be a tie. Like, can I have two players? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. No. I'm not saying the whole defense. I'm oh. saying these two because that's a legitimate thing. He can't help himself, Eric. He can't. He cannot. Okay. I'll go JTT. Final I'm answer. Gonna, I'm going to make a T-shirt that says, Aaron Brown, can I have two? <laughs> Oh shoot! Well, I'll get Bobby started on production with that right now. Just don't wear two Woody hats. You know what happens there. Oh geez, that's okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eric. So if Ohio State is going to take down that team up north this season, the most important player on the field for Ohio State will be 
Wink. Oh, I'm about to pull a, pull an errand. You need to change that word from player to players. No, no, it's player. Uh, I yeah. The, offensive the line. one who's going to have the absolute most impact that we cannot survive without. Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think they'll be able to guard him. If there's if there's a weakness on that Michigan defense, it's their secondary. And if we can win one-on-one battles in the passing game, I think I I don't think they can stop us. Fair enough. I I can't argue with that. All right, my turn. My turn. Here we go. Who wants to go first? Hit me. All right. The Chris, the best part of going to the shoe is. Oh wow. I'm gonna say the atmosphere. Just the just the people that are surrounding you, the tailgating going in there, just the whole pomp and circumstance of it. The atmosphere at the shoe is just off the chain. Can I can I add a close second to that? Dotting okay. the eye. Can I, I think dotting, dotting the eye? The, yeah. I think dotting the eye is awesome. It, it is. Me, it, it gives is. me goosebumps I mean, every the, the time. The band is awesome. The dotting of the eye is awesome. But, you, you know, for me, it's just okay, that nation. whole experience. From the minute I get out of my car and park over there at the other side of the Fawcett Center and walk across campus, it's just, like, exhilarating. All right, Aaron, you're last here. This one's just for you, buddy. Send it. The biggest surprise in college football this year so far has been in all of college football, the biggest surprise. Boy, that's rough. Okay. I think the biggest surprise, and I have to pick one, I'm sure. I'm, I'm like struggling here between Alabama with two losses or LSU with this, the level of success they're having. Uh, or, t- or even Tennessee. Um, I I didn't see Tennessee at all coming. No, no, me either. Me either. Um, Okay. Ah, you know, I think the biggest surprise. But then again, if you look look through the the recruiting rankings in the last few years, you know, Tennessee has done a a magnificent job of getting recruits. Before Josh Heupel was even there, uh, the guy that that was there before him, I forget his his name. but either way, he did well, an excellent job. It was Tony for about 35 seconds. <laughs> That's true. I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did too. <laughs> but um, they had a good recruiting situation going on. LSU had a lot of guys leave um, once. What's his face? Uh, Fran, Farmer Fran left. Uh <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. Coach Joe. Coach Joe. Go Tigers. Yeah, that's that's all I knew. <laughs> go Tigers. That's all I knew. Go Tigers. Yeah. But uh, okay, so I will I will stick with LSU. I think they are the biggest surprise right now. Hmm. I know they've got what two losses right now, but the fact that they still have a chance to make the CFP and they upset Alabama, um. And they've done it with guys leaving the program, um, unexpected guys stepping up. Uh, I think that right there is probably the biggest surprise outside of maybe. Nah, 
I'm not even going to say Illinois because the West is so bad. LSU. What, what about just how bad that A&M team is after oh spending all that money? Give those guys a couple train years. Wreck. They that is a train a, wreck. They just lost a five-star recruit too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that that right there, I think all those guys that they just paid all those that money to to come there, I think they're just they're too young to realize the talent yet. I just don't think it's manifested on the field at this point, but maybe next season or the season after, if they're still there, I think yeah. that you're going to see a difference. There might be a mass exodus after cashing in those million dollar checks and saying peace out. That is also on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Quint, the Quinn Ewers, I call that. I was going to say, yeah, right, that happened in Texas, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they should have a, a Ewers clause on these NIL deals. Pay it back. The payback yeah. exit. Either you stay or you pay a portion of it back. All right. Aaron, did you have any more? Sound like you might have had a few more sentences you wanted to throw out. I only said to prepare for two, one for each. But did you uh, happen to have more there? No, I didn't have any more questions. I just think there's a lot of surprising factors this year in college football, like Illinois' success, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Alabama losing two games. I just think there's a lot of surprises right there just in that. And it's been a fun year. You know, Michigan State, look how far they've fallen as a program just because Kenneth Walker's not there. Yeah. They were a one-trick pony. Tearing it up in the NFL, too, right now. He is. He's killing it. Absolutely killing it. All right, very fun. We'll do that again in this off season. That's I, I like doing that. I like getting uh, their, these guys' takes on things when I throw a sentence out there. All right, guys, let's close the show by doing our big game predictions. Uh, Chris, but congratulations on a hell of a week last week, man. Uh, and who would have thought the only game I lost was Bama? The Bama prediction. <laughs> right now, Aaron. And by the way, as good as you was, Aaron was just as bad. <laughs> so. Um, Right now, Chris is running away with this thing. He's got a two-game lead over myself, and he has got a five-game lead over you, Aaron. So we need to make up some ground this week. So that being said, it is time to give our big game predictions for this weekend in college football. Let's go ahead and open up the graphic here and find out what we've got coming your way. Number 10, Alabama goes on the road. Will they get a bounce back win at Ole Miss? Or will Ole Miss make it loss number three for Nick Saban? Ole Miss has got only one loss, and they still are in the CFP hunt. They need this win to uh, stake their claim. Alabama will obviously need this win if they want any hope at all of a Hail Mary miracle of getting in the CFP Chris, since you're in the lead, you get to go first, man. I'll tell you, Eric, Ole Miss always tends to play Bama tough. But there is no way I see Satan losing three out of four. I'm going to take Bama, and I'm going to take him big. All right, Aaron, are you willing to go against them here? No, nah, no, I can't. I'm with Chris. I, I can't see Nick Satan losing three games in a season. That If, if that happens, I, I think that he, that's the last season that he will be coaching. Ooh. And it's not because he's fired. It's because I think he's realized that his time is done. I just heard Aaron say if they lose this week, Nick Saban will retire. That's why. Potentially. Heard. Yeah, yeah. I, I think and that's I very think, I think oh. it's very possible. I almost want to change my pick now just so I could see that happen. I don't like Satan. So. I would gladly lose if that's what it meant. 
Yeah, I can't. I can't do it, guys. I think Alabama wins big too. I I, I just think this is he. The, you can. I cannot imagine how practice was in Tuscaloosa this week. I imagine they're going to be out for blood. All right. UCF, who's ranked 22nd, is on the road against this year's uh, small school darling, the Green Wave of Tulane, who is ranked 16th. Uh, Chris, UCF pull the upset here, or does Tulane keep that wave going? Well, let me tell you, UCF's coming off back-to-back wins versus Memphis and Cincinnati, who have dominated that conference over the past few years. But both those programs are a little down this season. Tulane comes in 5-0 in the conference, 8-1 overall. They have quality wins over Houston and Kansas State. I got to tell you, I think for me, I got to go Green Wave. All right, you're not the only one. I'm going to go ahead and take the Green Wave as well. We didn't see a Red Wave the other day, so maybe we'll see a Green Wave this weekend. Aaron, what you got? Uh, Same as you guys. I can't really argue against the success that they're having this year. Number 24, Washington, goes on the road to take on number six-ranked Oregon, the Ducks. Can the Huskies pluck the Ducks this weekend, Chris, or is it going to be quack-quack all Uh, the way? Eric, go quack-quacks. I'll tell you what, since losing to Georgia, Oregon's just been dominant. Uh, You know, they're at home. They're playing for their CFP lives. I'll take Oregon all the way here. Aaron? Yeah, no way Oregon's giving this game up. All right, make it three. Right now, we're all in agreement here, so this isn't very much fun. Uh, So Oregon is going to win this one as well, according to all three of us, which brings us to our fourth and final one down there in the Lone Star State, Aaron. Number four, TCU, future Big Ten school, if you believe my prediction, is going on the road to take on the Texas Longhorns in Austin. Chris, who you got? Okay, so TCU, pretty good ball club, but what looked like quality wins over Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and K-State, all have really proven, yeah, these these programs may not be the best. They've downsl- been on the downslide for the last few weeks. I think Texas is a team on the way up. They're finally healthy. They're at home. They gave Bama all they wanted this year. I think TCU has a brutal last three games at Texas, at Baylor, uh, against Iowa State. I actually think they lose two of those three starting with the game at Texas. Ooh, all right. Very good. Well, I got to go against you at least for one of these. I thought this was going to be the one I would get to go against you because I was going to go with Texas. But since you went with the Longhorns, let's make it interesting. I'm going to take TCU and take the Horn Frogs here. Aaron, you get to break the tiebreaker here. Yeah, I'm taking TCU as well. I, I Texas is so inconsistent. This is such a coin flip game because if they show up and play TCU the way they did Bama, I think Longhorns win. But you don't know what you're going to get with them. So I'm going to stick with the consistency, and that's TCU right now. Beautiful. There you have it, guys. Those are our predictions. So either we're Aaron and I are going to make up a game on Chris here as we get closer to the end of the season, or he's just going to pull further away from us, one of the two this weekend. Uh, very good. Um, be on the lookout this weekend as well, guys. Uh, Chris and I are going to be meeting up with one of our, I'll call him a super fan, Billy Bob, Lenny Zabo from Billy Bob's Backyard Barbecue. We hope to have a video posted to our Facebook group page um, for all of you to enjoy getting to meet him 
and uh, and 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 uh, and video format that is. And uh, we're supposed to be on his page as well in some videos. I know some of you out there follow both of our pages, so we won't duplicate those. There'll be different kinds of videos. So be on the lookout for that. Um, outside of those four big games, there's really nothing that great inside the Big Ten. Of course, there's really nothing great inside the Big Ten at all. I'm not even going to go over the power rankings this week, guys. I'm just done with it. I'm, it's, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> no, you're not. It's Don't lie to me. No, I'm not. <laughs> Outside of the team up north, Ohio State, and now uh, Penn State, who have solidified themselves, solidified themselves at third, from that point on, it... <sighs> It's just it's just a muddled mess, man. It's a muddled mess. And what's really sad is if you go and you look at um, the bowl eligible teams by conference, did you know the Big Ten out of the Power Five con- conferences is dead last? I believe it. That's it, I'm not overly surprised given what we've seen. But you know what? If this was the SEC, if 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 the Big Ten was called the SEC, they would just say, well, the conference cannibalized itself. <laughs> but, Aaron, let, let's, that, let's, let's be realist here. We've watched the games. Oh, Come they're on. garbage. <laughs> as, much, as much as I'd like to go with that, and in most years we probably could make that argument, this year that's just not the case. 90% no, of the Big Ten sucks. True. Big hairy, big hairy facts. Yep. There, there you have it, guys. Hope you've enjoyed the show this week. We will be back on Sunday with our Indiana game review. Hopefully, it'll be a big time win. I'm, I'm not even. I'm, I'm kind of hoping we have bad weather because I think this team needs to right some wrongs. And I hope we come back Sunday night and we feel much better about this offensive line, this running game, and Ohio State's toughness. And I want to challenge Ryan Day. Stop wearing a coat. Lead your team, baby. Show some toughness, man. Show some toughness. I think if there's one thing right now, we are a little soft. And I'm not I, I'm not I'm not saying Ryan Day soft, but I think, you know what, Ryan? You come out there, you set the example, man, for these guys. That's what <laughs> I Show up in a sweater vest with nothing on under the sweater vest. There it is. That's how it's done. All Woody ever wore was his hat, Eric. It was a Woody hat. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, be kind to one another. I know someone's OH and sing Carver, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! IO! Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing, oh. Hios praise and songs through Amamaterain while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show 
How firm thy friendship, Ohio. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.